You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Well, I am so excited to get to share specifically during this series on the life of Joseph, and I'm excited to talk about today's topic of perseverance. And I get really pumped about it because I don't know two people whose lives more accurately reflect this characteristic uh, than Pastor Brian and Heather over here. And um, I've gotten to do life and ministry with you pretty closely for about 10 years now, and I've gotten to see a lot of the really awesome highs and I've been there for a lot of the really hard lows and the heartache and the injustices. And what strikes me is that your commitment and your dedication to following Jesus and the principles that are laid out in the Bible have never wavered, even when logically I think we could justify you wavering from that. And um, I know you guys know this, you may not, but I, I really believe that so much of Joseph's story is your story, so much of his life, and that you can get up here and you speak with such grace and with such authority because you've lived these tests and you've passed these tests time and time again. And so I just want to honor you for your commitment to Jesus and character over the long haul. And church, will you join me in honoring our pastors? Yeah. I love you so much. It is such a dream come true to get to do life and ministry with you. And speaking of dreams, I grew up with a lot of dreams, had a lot of childhood dreams. Anyone grow up with childhood dreams? Some aspiring astronauts, firemen here. Um, One of my biggest and longest standing childhood dreams was to be an ice skater. And so they did a study once about what makes people great. And uh, what they found was that in order to become great at something, you essentially had to practice at it for over 10,000 hours. And I was very committed to becoming a great ice skater. And so I spent a lot of energy and time and sweat practicing and trying to perfect my double Lutz jump turn on the wooden floor of my grandmother's living room. I mean, I couldn't do anything on ice. Um, But give me a pair of fuzzy socks, and I don't want to brag, but Tara Lipinski, you better watch out. Um, There was Olympic-level talent developing on that wooden floor. Some other dreams that I had, I wanted to be a professional bowler. Um, I wanted to graduate high school at 16. I um, had a dream that I could sing like David Suey. I'm actually still dreaming that dream, waiting on the Lord to meet me where I am. Um, but as I got a little bit older and matured a little bit, my dreams actually started to mature with me. And one of the dreams that I knew that I held was to be a woman of character. And that's actually one of the things that drew me to my husband when we were just hanging out before we ever dated a life verse that he aspired to was Proverbs 22.1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And he was so passionate about his name being associated with a man of good character. And I remember thinking like, I can get behind that. Um, and, and the Bible talks about so many things. It gives advice about so many things. And within all of that advice, it actually only speaks about one way of having character produced in your life. And so as we mentioned, we're in the middle of a series called From Dream to Reality, and we're talking about nine character tests that Joseph took that we're all going to have to take. And so the test that we're talking about today is the perseverance test. And as I mentioned, the Bible literally only indicates one way of having character produced in our lives, and that's found in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. And so we'll read it together, and it says, And not only that, but we also glory, which I want to pause 
when this word glory comes up, another word for it is rejoice or celebrate. And it's not talking about like golf clap rejoice or like someone else got the promotion you wanted, but you have to celebrate in the office kind of celebrate. It's like first person in your family to graduate college celebrate or Bengals win the AFC championship and take us to the Super Bowl kind of celebrate. Okay. So I want you to have that mental picture as we're reading this verse so you can really take in what it's saying. So it says, and not only that, but we also glory, mental picture, in what? In tribulations. Not really where I'd go with that, but it's going to explain why. It says, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and that hope does not disappoint. Now, this verse is literally looking us dead in the eye, and it's saying that if we want to be people of character, if you want to be a woman of character, if you want to be a man of character, that you're going to need some perseverance. And so a couple of things we need to know about perseverance right off the bat. Here's number one, perseverance is not patience. A lot of times, especially when we talk about the Bible, we like to use these words like they're interchangeably, but the Bible uses different words for these two things because there's a different context involved. And so when we look at James chapter one, verse two, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In other words, this verse is saying trials produce patience, but Romans said that tribulation produces perseverance. And just a quick definition for patience, patience is waiting with contentment. So mental picture here, this is not waiting and tapping your foot and huffing and pumping and saying passive aggressive things while you wait on something or someone, hello. Um, Patience is not just having good behavior while you wait, but it's actually maintaining a good heart while you wait. Um, Patience is what a lot of us don't have when we're behind someone who's driving slow in the fast lane. Or when we're in standstill, bumper-to-bumper traffic, we could really use a dose of patience, generally speaking, in those moments. Whereas perseverance is fighting a battle while you wait with contentment. So if patience is, you know, having a good heart, waiting with contentment while you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic... Perseverance is having a good heart, waiting with contentment while you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic. Oh, and you're out of gas, and you're pushing your own car up the hill while you're in standstill traffic, hoping that the car in front of you does not crush you into the car behind you. That's perseverance. It involves a fight or a battle of some kind while you're waiting with contentment. So that's the first thing. Perseverance and patience are not the same thing. Here's number two. Perseverance is not short. Okay, a trial leads to patience. That's short. Um, Tribulation leads to perseverance, and that is long. And again, this is the only way the Bible mentions produces character in our life, right? Perseverance, which is a long trial. 
And so when we look at some of the key characters in the Bible and what that long trial looked like for them, for Joseph, his story happened across a span of 13 years. King David was anointed king and then literally ran for his life for 13 years from Saul before he ever became king of Israel. Or when we look at the life of Abraham, that trial was actually 25 years. And if that's not long enough for Moses, it was 40 years in the wilderness. That's a really long time. And so perseverance is not short. And here's number three. Perseverance is not easy. You know, if you think about it, some of the people we respect the most, we respect because of their response to adversity, right? So when we look at someone and they had a really difficult upbringing, maybe they grew up in an orphanage or they grew up in an abusive home or alcoholic with alcoholic parents, we look at those people and when they work so hard into adulthood and they're going to counseling and they're working through their trauma and their triggers and they're breaking their own addictions and they're breaking generational cycles that have plagued their family for years and years, we respect that. And we respect when someone gets a terrible diagnosis, maybe for themselves or someone that they love, and in the midst of that grief, in the middle of it, or even just after it, somehow they haven't lost their luster of life and they still believe that goodness is alive and well in the world and that God is still going to do something. We respect that and we're inspired by that. And these things are not easy, but they are powerful. And they affect us deeply. And when we hear about someone's story and their response to long-standing adversity, we are deeply moved. And why is that? Because we are hardwired to respect and honor and value perseverance and even desire it. But make no mistake about it, perseverance is not easy. And so we see this all through Joseph's story. In fact, his life seemed to be one massive perseverance test. And if we just were to do a quick synopsis of his life thus far, Joseph as a child has a dream and he really feels like in that dream, God's saying he has something great meant for him. But he gets a little too mouthy about it, right? So his brothers, they get super annoyed. What do they do? They don't steal and hide his Nintendo Switch. They don't try to convince him that he was adopted, right? Now, what do they do? They sell him into slavery, natural progression, right? And so the slave traders, they sell him to another man's house. He's a slave in Potiphar's household. And Potiphar notices Joseph and he sees something. He feels like God's with him and that he has this really good leadership strength. And so Potiphar places Joseph in charge of his entire household. So talk about making lemonade out of lemons, right? Joseph's like, he's kind of got a good, he's got a good job, good benefits. Things are looking up. And then suddenly Potiphar's wife decides she'd like a piece of the cake too, right? And so she tries to convince Joseph to sleep with her day after day after day after day. And Joseph, because he's a man of God and he's fighting for his character, he doesn't even entertain the idea. And in in actuality, the Bible says he runs from her like she has COVID. Like he just literally runs straight out the door. Except while he's on his way out the door, she snatches his coat and it gives her exactly what she needs to tell the perfect lie. Not that she tried to pursue Joseph and he ran away, but that Joseph tried to sleep with her and that she fought him off. 
And so we'll pick up in Genesis chapter 39, verse 19, and it says, when his master, Joseph's master, Potiphar, heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And if you think about this, up until now, Joseph has already suffered so much heartache and so much tragedy and so much betrayal. And then he gets in this space where he's kind of like, okay, I think I think I make this. Things are finally looking up, right? And then suddenly he's presented with the temptation of a lifetime and he doesn't even succumb to it. He passes what we call the purity test with flying colors. But Potiphar's wife tells one lie and suddenly his whole world again comes crashing down. And now the dream that he felt like God had for him feels so much further away. And it's like he took three steps forward and four steps backwards. And now he's stuck in this prison. And what am I going to do? I passed the purity test and I, I honored God. I obeyed God and doing all of that landed me here in prison. Do I really want to keep doing that? And he's in this place, he's in this tension, and what does he do? The verse continues, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the prison warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So we'll talk a little bit about what perseverance looked like for Joseph. And here's the first thing, and it's going to sound a little counterintuitive, but I'll unpack it. It's disappointment. And it's so easy for us, especially if we've read a Bible story before and we know how it ends, it's so easy for us to look at the story and assume that the people in the Bible just did and said the exact perfect thing and they didn't experience any human, any standard human emotions or reactions. And you might even be inclined to think, man, Joseph had such a good attitude that he just kept getting promoted. He wasn't disappointed. He was fine, right? But I can assure you that Joseph was a human being. And there's not a single human being that suffers that kind of tragedy in life story and is not disappointed to find themselves in the exact same spot again when they keep doing the right thing, right? Joseph was absolutely disappointed. In fact, he has an interaction in the next chapter where he says the exact words, get me out of this prison, okay? That is someone who's like, I don't want to be here, please and thank you. Um, and when we, when we break down literally this word disappointment, so any word that starts with a prefix dis, dis means not, right? So dis honesty, not honest. Disconnect, not connect, okay? Um, disappointment, meaning not appointed. In other words, I believe I missed out on something that was meant for me. And I remember when I was, I think it was, I was either 11 or 12 years old. My best friend Haley and I, her mom, took us to go ice skating at the Houston Galleria. And we get there, and you can't even get on the ice. And there's just this crowd of frenzied human beings at the entrance, blocking the entrance to the skating rink. They can't get on. And when you look up on the ice is one human being, Tara Lipinski. <laughs> All right, so I'm going, and I'm like, 
I have to get her to sign something. I need her autograph. But this crowd is massive, and I just know in my heart that there's no way I would ever get there in time before she leaves. And so I go downstairs to the locker room, and I'm like, I'll catch her when she's going down to change, and I'll make sure I get her autograph. And so I go down, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and she never comes. And so I'm like, okay, I'll go back upstairs and try my luck. And I get upstairs. She's gone. Girls, all the kids, they're back on the ice. And my friend, Haley Duplantis, had gotten an autograph from Tara Lipinski. Now, I would have to call Haley, which I should have, but I really, truly believe I never even got on the ice. Like, I was heartbroken, crushed. I don't remember what happened at the rink, but I remember what happened on the way home. Um, we were on the way home in her mom's minivan. It's the kind with the two chairs, so you're not connected. You got a little wiggle room in between you. And um, I looked over at Haley, and I said, Haley, I'm like so passionate about ice skating, and I love Tara Lipinski, and she just won the Olympics, and I know you don't even really care about it. Is there any chance I could have the autograph you got? And I remember she looked at me, my tear-streaked face, my little broken heart, and she looked at me with all the compassion in her heart, and she said, no, you shouldn't have gone downstairs. (laughs) Haley was from the street. She didn't play that way. And I was so disappointed. Um, I was disappointed in myself for not being more patient. I was disappointed in Haley for, in my personal humble but accurate opinion, not being a better friend. Um, And that disappointment took a while to process. And it can be hard to process disappointment when it's in yourself or when it's in a friend. But it hits on a different level when the person you're disappointed in is God. When you feel like God's the one that's let you down. And what do you do when you're in a season where you feel like God keeps letting me down? And if that's you, if you're here and you're in that space... There's two truths I'd like to offer to you. Here's the first one. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. And Proverbs 19:21 says, "Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that always prevails." And we've got plans, we've got dreams, we've got goals in life, but the reality is nothing can stop God's purpose. Nobody's opinions, not a pandemic. Nothing can stop God's purpose, not even our disappointment. And regardless if Joseph understood what was happening or not, God was still moving in the middle of Joseph's disappointment. And here's the second thing. God is moving even when you're mourning. And we'll see this much more intently as we continue unpacking Joseph's story, but I just want to leave and offer this to you. You can chew on this a little bit. Your disappointment from God might actually be a divine appointment from God. God is moving even when you're mourning. Okay, here's the second thing that perseverance looked like on Joseph, and it's trust. When everything in Joseph's life continued to hit the fan time and time and time and time and time again, Joseph had to make a decision time and time and time and time and time again. Where am I going to put my trust? Where am I going to put my hope? And if he was going to make the decision that was best for him, then that decision cannot be filtered by his feelings. 
Because what is Joseph feeling in this moment? Look at his life and his story. What would you be feeling? He's feeling abandoned. He's feeling betrayed. He's feeling like I'm all alone. Nobody's looking for me. My brother sold me. I haven't seen my dad or my mom come looking for me. Nobody's looking for me. Nobody's looking out for me. I am alone in this world. That's what he's feeling. And yet, in spite of all that, when we look at verse 21, Joseph continued to respond as if God was with him. And why is that? Because God was with him. And sometimes when we're in difficult, this feels like the pit kind of seasons, we have to make the same choice to put our trust and our hope in God, not just regardless of what we're feeling, but in spite of what we're feeling. You know what I mean? And if you're here and you're in a space like that or a season like that, you're dealing with a tension like that, and you're looking for a next step, I have a question for you. And that question is, how would someone in your circumstances respond if they were absolutely confident that God was with them? Because there's two ways that we tend to look at this concept of trust. We either look at trust as a feeling or trust as a choice, right? So trust as a feeling aligns our actions with our emotions, right? So it says, I feel alone, so I'm going to live like I'm alone. But trust as a choice aligns our actions with what we know, with what we believe. It says, I feel alone, but I know that God is with me. And so I'm going to live like God is with me. And if you're in a situation or a circumstance where you're feeling this, the reality is you already know exactly how people in your circumstances normally react. You already know what's been modeled for you. You know what the norms are. You know how people in your family normally react when blank happens. You know how people at your job normally react when blank happens. You already know. But how would someone in your circumstances respond if they were absolutely confident that God was with them, that this was just a chapter of theirs and not the whole story. That your current circumstances don't get to define you. If you're looking for a next step and you're in a season like that, then I want to encourage you to answer that question and then do that. Because choice is not a feeling, it's an action. Trust is not a feeling, it's an action. And in order to experience perseverance, we're going to have to make the conscious choice of where we put our trust. And here's the last thing to resolve. We already know Joseph didn't want to be in prison. He felt abandoned and betrayed. And the reality is, if we look at it just logically, it would make perfect sense for him to have a horrible attitude to be super disgruntled, to maybe even try and break out, or if not, to make sure every single human being in that establishment felt the weight of the injustice of his situation. It would have made perfect sense. And honestly, if we read that story and that's how he reacted, none of us would judge him. Because that makes perfect sense. But he knew that 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 God was with him. And so he aligned his actions with what he knew and he maintained course in the pursuit of God, believing that even if his family had abandoned him, God had not. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter 40, 
verse 31. It's, it's been one of my favorite verses since I was a kid. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. And picture this, they will run endlessly and not grow weary. And they will walk and they will not be faint. And um, here's what I know about running as a recovering chubby asthmatic elementary schooler. Running is exhausting. Um, it's exhausting. And if it wasn't, marathon car stickers would not exist. Hello, anyone. Nobody's putting a sticker on their car that says, I ran 26.2 miles just like you did yesterday, right? No, they, they put it on their car because they're proud. It's an accomplishment. They did something that required a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice, and they're proud of their success in that thing. And running is exhausting, but God promises in this verse that if you put your trust in him, he will sustain you for the long haul. And that's because trust in the right place leads to resolve at the right time. There was a season back when I lived in Dallas that I experienced significant disappointment um, on a level that I, I don't know that I had up until that point. And I was disappointed, not in myself or, you know, my friends, but some authority figures and how I felt that they did not handle a situation well and people I loved were deeply affected. And I remember getting to a point where I thought, God, what is the point in following you when you let things like that happen? And I wanted to quit. I wanted to walk away. And I felt absolutely justified in doing so. And what I had seen and what I experienced, it was so unjust. It was so hurtful. It was so wrong. And I was so angry. And I was hurting so bad. And I was just so disappointed. But by the grace of God, I did not quit. In fact, every day... I got up, I got dressed, I went to work, I answered emails and phone calls, God help me, I kept submitting expense reports. I tried to be as kind as I could to people, I kept leaning into my community, I kept reading my Bible, I kept listening to worship, I kept talking to God. And I kept trying to follow Jesus. And unbeknownst to me, that would lead me to a different job. That would lead me to a different state. That would lead me to a different church and a different small group. That would lead me to my husband. That would lead me to this incredible city and our beautiful family and this amazing church and our unbelievable community. And time and time again, I've seen and heard and experienced the faithfulness of God in my life. Because in 2017, when my heart was broken and shattered to pieces, God was moving when I was mourning. And here's the biggest thing I learned in that season. If you don't take anything else I said away, take this. When it comes to following Jesus, if you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, 
you win. If you don't quit, you win. This is just a chapter. It's not your whole story. If you don't quit, you win. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. If you don't quit, you win. Your circumstances don't get to define you. If you don't quit, you win. You might feel abandoned by everyone you know, but God has not and will not abandon you. If you don't quit, you win. Come on, let's not grow tired of doing good because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not quit. And I'm not saying you're not exhausted and I'm not saying it's not overwhelming and I'm not saying you don't feel like you have anything left to give. But I am saying that you can experience overwhelming victory in life because of Christ's work inside of you. If you don't quit, you win. I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And in this moment, I want you to ask God, God, what are you saying to me? And what does my response need to be to this message? Maybe your response today is that you need to get honest about where you're at right now. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe you're feeling so discouraged and you just want to quit. And you need someone to tell you you have one more rep in you. Or maybe you need to join a group this summer so that you can find your people to lean into when times get hard. Or maybe you would love to experience what it's like to know that you know that you know that you have unshakable, overwhelming victory because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. And you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus and experience life with him by your side. Or maybe you've done that before and you started out strong, but you hit a snag and you walked away and now you're here and you're in this space and you feel so far from God and you just need a fresh start. Before we end this service, we wanna make sure to give you an opportunity to get right with God. And we're not gonna point you out and we're not gonna embarrass you in any way, but if that's you, if you're in that space and you would love to make the decision to follow Jesus or follow Jesus again, I would love to lead you in a simple prayer. And so if you wanna be included in that prayer, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to, without hesitation, Raise your hand. And so one, two, three. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's amazing. Incredible. Oh, that's amazing. Is there anyone else? Okay, I want you to pray this in your heart. You can repeat after me if you want. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived life without you. And I repent, I change my mind and my direction. Will you come live inside of me? And will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender everything to you. I give you my whole life. And right now I choose to follow you and to have a relationship with you. Jesus, we thank you today for doing what we could never do ourselves. We love you. And it's through Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate what God did. 
If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.